This episode of A Tiny Revolution is brought to you in part by Q Christian Fellowship. Join Q for the first ever virtual conference happening January 7th through the 10th, 2021, featuring keynote speakers like the father Richard Rohr, activist, theologian, and writer Dr. Robin Henderson Espinosa, womanist and black theology icon Dr. Emily Towns, the Reverend Mufotutu Van Firth, not only that, but you'll have the opportunity to hear from and connect with LGBTQ plus Christians and allies from all over the world, including yours truly. I've got a podcast that's going to be live there. I've got a talk that I'm giving alongside my good Judy Matthias Roberts. Um, it's it's really going to be like I, I know that we're all zoomed out. And we're all conferenced out. But this time, BB, this is going to be revolutionary for all of us. Uh, conference is an annual gathering where hundreds of LGBTQ Christians and allies gather for worship and fellowship, workshops, affinity gatherings, and experiencing more of the fullness of God's love and affirmation through each other. More than a conference, honestly, it's more than that. We're catalyzing a whole movement, and the virtual all-access registration is just 65 bucks, and that makes this the most accessible conference ever. So please visit qcfconf.org. That's QCF. C-O-N-F.org and make sure you register today. And if you want to take a little bit off, use the offer code TINYREV10. That's T-I-N-Y-R-E-V-1-0 to get 10 bucks off of your registration. Again, go to qcfconf.org, get registered, and we'll see you in there. All right, let's start the show. How you doing this week? Welcome back to another episode of A Tiny Revolution. I'm Kevin Garcia, your host and, um, you know, all around hippy dippy woo woo vibey ass bitch here on the internet. I'm glad you're here back for another episode. This one is going to be a lot of fun for a lot of reasons. I've got my friend Lucas Wilson on the podcast, aka Luke Slam Dunk Wilson on Instagram. But Luke is such an incredible human, currently a PhD candidate over in Canada. Um, more like Canada because they can do so many things, not Canada, like I just said. That was stupid. That was a stupid joke. It's fine. I'm not a comedian. <laughs> Anyways, Lucas and I get into a conversation today about Luke's past and his undergraduate experience, which was at Liberty University. So this is actually the second uh, gay person from Liberty that I've interviewed. The first being Nathaniel Totten Green. You can go back and listen to that. But Luke's, Luke's experience, um, not only as a queer person there discovering their sexuality, discovering their sexuality under a really, really oppressive environment, and then on top of that, what it took to come out, to move beyond it, and also to really start embracing like a new way of thinking. Luke has also been doing a lot of writing recently on uh, what's been going on with one Jerry Falwell Jr. who was ungraciously ousted from Liberty University, despite everybody saying, oh no, he left on his own accord. We all know he, that he was a monster. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to get into that today. We're going to share some of that and I hope that you enjoy it. But before I do that, let me get you some announcements. Um, like we said before, Q Christian Fellowship is coming up. Um, the national conference is all digital this year because obviously pandemic life requires that. So join us online, use the offer code TINYREV10 and get $10 off your registration. Go to QCF or don't no, go to QChristian.org. Um, you'll find all the links and use it there. So I'll see you in there. That's all I've got to say. Why don't you go ahead and grab yourself something to drink and let's get into this amazing conversation with my friend, Lucas Wilson. 
who knows? Yeah, the the one, the only Liberty University. Um, yeah. So train, training champions for Christ since 1971, as the motto goes. Um, yeah. Wait, I, that's the motto. Yeah, training champions for Christ. <laughs> that's so gay. I hate that. <laughs> and here we are. Hey. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I went to Liberty University. I am from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I am a Canadian. Uh, I am back in Canada. Uh, currently, and I went down to Liberty from 2008 to 2012. I graduated with my undergrad there uh, in English, went on past that to grad school. But my time there was, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> a whole mixed bag. I mean, I went through four years of gay conversion therapy. Uh, nice. That was wild, uh, both one-on-one -on -one conversion therapy but also group therapy for one session we went to one session um but that's you know uh, that was later on because you got healed from that one session that's how good it was <laughs> it did the trick uh yeah so uh liberty is i mean here's the thing when i was there i also it's i went through these Okay, real quick, before we go any further, there's somebody listening to this who's saying, what the fuck is Liberty University and why is it such a big deal? Oh, pardon me. Uh, Liberty University is the world's largest Christian university in the world. Uh, by its online numbers, I believe it is the fifth largest university in America. So it has mm. tens of thousands of students online. On campus, I believe there are uh, just over 15,000 at this point. Wow. Um, it's an incredibly uh, conservative university. It was founded by Jerry Falwell Sr., who uh, was also the founder of, or the co-founder of The Moral Majority. Uh, his son, Jerry Falwell Jr., has been in the news a lot recently. Uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. has was the founder, pardon me, was the president. President, of, CEO. Yeah, until he was, uh, he quote unquote stepped down. Of course, he was removed from his position. Uh, because he was a party boy yeah, he was doing things with pool boys he was watching his wife have sex with a pool boy um we don't know about other encounters but what we do know is that he was in a i a very bizarre tangle of a relationship with his yeah. wife some kind of non-monogamous arrangement sure which of course goes against the ethos and the the rule book of liberty university itself yeah like in every single fucking way, because sexual sin among everything is the worst kind of sin for sure. Yeah. He was a naughty boy with a bad habit, um, a bad habit for cuckolding. Um, so, I mean, who, who isn't? <laughs> you know, who isn't into that? You know what I'm saying? It's 2020. So, yeah. So when you were there, um, when, did you, when did you get there and when did you graduate? So 2008... Got there, graduated 2012. I was- Oh my God, I forget that we're like the same exact age. It's so crazy. You're 90 as well? Or 89, 90. but just, I'm, I'm, I'm 80, November 89 though. Sure. So I graduated 2008 and I should have graduated 2012, but I was a dummy, so I didn't graduate until 2013. Uh, please don't speak about Kevin that way, thank you. You're right, I apologize. Kevin, you are so smart. And the reason you did five years is because trying to get a music major in four years is like, impossible not impossible just like for people it's for a non-neurotypical person impossible for a normal person incredibly stressful and ptsd inducing mm. well so. i'm glad that you're here i'm glad that you're queer and i don't even need to get used to it because i love you for who you are thank you um 
So while you were there during 2008, like what was, what was your, how did you identify going into school? And yeah, start there. How did you identify going into school? Then what happened? Yeah. So sec, I mean, you mean like or sexual orientation wise, I was, yeah. How did you identify going to school? Did you know you were gay? Well, here's the thing. I was under the delusion that I was straight. I was just struggling with same sex attraction. <laughs> oh yes. Same. <laughs> that Many of us were. Oh, and you fought against the demon. Did you ever get exercised? Uh, well, here's the thing. My theology at the time and a lot of folks at Liberty's theology was that you couldn't be possessed if you were a Christian. I identified as a Christian. And so I did how I, so I, I never got, you know, I, there was no exorcism. However, there was a moment where I told my one friend, uh, sh I told her, I said, Hey, you know, I, th I think I'm struggling with same sex attraction. Um, and I just, you know, I want freedom from this, <laughs> from this quote unquote, what I at the time considered a sin. And so mm -hmm. I, she said, well, I know, I know just the guy. So she went out of her office. She was, she was on the clock at, the at that point. And she went out of her office and got someone in her department. I don't know who he was um, now that I look back, but he comes into the office and apparently he had prayed for other people who had been quote unquote struggling with oh, similar, no. you know, same sex attraction as they put it. And so he came in and he, he told me that it wasn't that I was, he said, it wasn't that I was possessed, but I was being affected and was listening to uh, the, the, what was it? What do you call it? The demonic influences. Well, no, it was a very specific demon. He said it was, it was the, um, the demon of Moloch or the like the something of Moloch and I forget exactly what it was but I was like what, what? Oh, yeah like, was... people like people in evangelical world who like pretend to be demonologists are just like phenomenal to me I'm like where are you getting your stuff I want to know more I want to go hunt demons that sounds yeah. dope yeah the the theology behind it and like the, the of course theology after all is theory and like the theory behind mm -hmm. like theology wait can we pause real quick and just highlight that yeah. Every theology is a theory. Point blank period. The end. Continue. Um, well, I'm that was a that was a paradigm shift for me for a long time because for the longest oh, yeah. time I thought that what I had been taught was just the way that the world was. And then when I realized that my theory about God was just as much of a theory as anyone else's theory, my word that was <laughs> that was a paradigm shift, yeah. It was like, oh my God, you mean I'm allowed to like have a thought about God? Right. My own thoughts, my own theories mm -hmm. and whatever yeah um, yeah so this guy yeah. came and prayed they laid hands on me and they prayed for me uh for again it wasn't for the demon to be gone in the sense that i had a demon inside of me it was for the demon to stop you know pestering me or to stop bothering me so but, we had to pray so the demon would stop pestering me even though i technically have the holy ghost in me yeah yeah don't look for consistency that's what i found don't look for consistency. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these uh yeah folks um but yeah so i i so four years of of uh hiding myself four years of pretending i was straight four years of trying to convince myself and being convinced by others that i was interested in women uh it was a roller coaster oh, yeah. it was an absolute circus um i don't look back fondly though i of course have some friends who um who other than the friends who excommunicated me and stopped talking to me because i'm gay um, I do have some friends who I, you know, absolutely love and are just phenomenal and I, and I stay in contact with them. But uh, other than those friends, uh, my time at Liberty was not well spent, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, 
because it's one of those seasons where I I, I don't want to say everything. I hate the phrase everything happens for a reason because I'm just like, tell me what the reason was that like I had to go through all that I went through. Right. I, don't tell me that I had to go through that to learn something. I'm just like, no, the reason I had to go through it is because the world wasn't built for someone like me. And in fact, demonizes someone like me. That's why I had to go through it. Not because God had anything to do with it, but because the world is uh, fallen, if you will. <laughs> we live in a broken world. That's I'm like, no, the world is not broken. It's the systems which men built within the world. The world is fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's all this. It's, it, and what's, it's so crazy. It's just like, I don't know if you ever look back on like earlier in life. And I'm just like, oh my God, I wasted so much time. Mm. Oh my gosh. The, the years that I would, if I could give, you know, 20 year old Luke back. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I would be in a very different spot if I, you know, if I, if I, I was talking to my, one of my, one of my best friends, Monica, I was talking to her recently. Um, and I was saying to her, you know, like, why didn't I just come out to you when I was in high school? We were, we, we were friends in high school. She was prom queen and not to brag about high school, but I was prom king. Okay. Yes, you did. I was prom. I was home. I was homecoming king in college. So like, I get it. <laughs> yes. We ride those, that those laurels or do we ride those laurels? That's not even the phrase. We, we, uh, there's a lot of purchase in ride the coattails. But it's like your own coattails, I suppose, right? Your former self's coattails, right? Oh, yeah. Just like, just like, let me just tell you what, just like, you don't know who you're dealing with for a second, okay? <laughs> let me just tell you, I was homecoming king at my small liberal arts university that had 5,000 people only. Fact check. But hell, I, I was well-loved. <laughs> yeah. Um, I drank champagne out of the crown that night, so. Oh, what a moment. <laughs> Listen, I was I was nothing if not dramatic. And to this day, on my birthday every year, I drink champagne out of a out of a bottle for myself. And on oh, New I Year's. Love that. Anyways, you were saying. Um, I was saying we were that... talking about not getting the years back, getting 20-year-old back if you could come out to yeah. her in high school. Oh my gosh, she finally came out in high school. I went to an art school in downtown Toronto. Like, where was I? Where was Queer Luke then? Like, very, very repressed. <laughs> That's where he was. But like, and then in university, again, like, you know, so many folks have these um, formative experiences in their university days. And I had a very different experience. My experience wasn't a, a time of self-exploration and experimentation and, you know, thinking. It was through. surviving. That's it. Right. And it was it was a it was a matter of passing and on a daily basis, having to to constantly check how I was presenting gender wise, how I was presenting sexually, you know, how I was presenting as Luke was Luke coding as gay was Luke coding as quote unquote masculine. No, but, you know, I'm <laughs> doing my best. Like, um, that's the thing It's like. Look at both of us. My God, <laughs> honey, like even if we're not wearing heels, we're always wearing heels in our heart, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> That's exactly it. So, I mean, yeah. And I, I don't, I just, I just wish that I could go back absolutely and, and save that, that 20, that hurting, sad, scared, terrified, anxious 20 year old Luke yeah. and, or, and after. I mean, I didn't come out till I was 25. Right. I mean, again, who was I kidding? I watched a lot of HGTV. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Girl, same. <laughs> you know, me and my mom and house hunters were just like, oh my God, they're going to pick house number two. For sure. <laughs> like, and that was that was like I look back on all those times and it's like I don't I know that like I was doing my best, but I also like I just there's 
I try not to wonder about the past too much, mm-hmm. but like, it is kind of like, there is like a little bit of grief that kind of just like always lingers there a little bit. If I think too hard on it of like, what if I came out when I was in high school? Yeah. What if I came out that one time? Like, what if that one time when I almost came out, but I didn't, but I could have, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you have an almost experience of coming out? Yeah, I was so close. Um, uh, when I was going into my my super senior year and my friend, Lindsay, who became a Presbyterian pastor, uh, PCUSA, so she's dope. Right. Um, but she sat down with me and I was like, I think it's like we both like she knew that I went to like this conservative Pentecostal church. And I'm just like, I th- I know that I'm gay and I think God's OK with it. And she's like, God is OK with it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And I bought into it and I was going to I told my pastor and I was like, I don't think it's a sin to be gay. And then, you know, uh, gaslights everywhere. And I got sucked back in and I doubled down, um, doubled down and became a missionary. Mm-hmm. And so. It, and like the thing is, it's just like I was like, if I give if I really give myself to God this time, if I really do it, it's going to change something. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's the misconception about like all of like evangelical theology is that God requires a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still worshiping like some sort of ancient deity who needs our, who needs blood to live. Mm-hmm. And it is blood, right? And the blood, the blood sacrifice is your very livelihood. And I think the blood though is not, is not on our hands at the end of the day. It's part, it's, it's on the system and it's on the individuals mm-hmm. who police us and push us into this really bizarre world of feigning you know heterosexuality heteronormativity all so that what i mean so that we fit into the evangelical mold and it's just you know at the end of the day i i do i look back at myself with a lot of like i think in some ways i look back at myself with anger which is like mm. but i also look back at myself with a lot of compassion and i think i'm more so moving in the direction of compassion but so much anger for for just buying into what i believed yeah. was true and again it it was a part i was a part of a greater system but that system mm. that's what i mean that that's what i try to do now with my work as much as possible i mean most of my I, i'm in school i'm finishing my phd most of my studies are in uh, holocaust studies but the the direction i'm also moving in is looking at like evangelicalism and thinking about you know evangelical context specifically i do think about and theorize through liberty university um but i mean because liberty university is honestly a very very clear depiction of what evangelicalism as a whole is so it's not even like a far stretch to say that this is a good cross-section right and the thing is that numbers wise it's just churning out so many individuals who are again you know they're training quote-unquote champions for christ who are then going out into the world to do the same to others and it's in a lot of ways a pretty scary enterprise right and so what I try to do with my work and when I talk about liberty, when I write about liberty, when I you know think about liberty, um, is to think about, you know, how in the world can can I do my part to to encourage these people, is maybe like the light way of putting it, you know, encouraging them into being more affirming and having a greater like theological imagination, right? Because again, like so much of what mm-hmm. we think about God, to be honest, is a large part of our, is, is a function of our imagination, really. There we go. You know, and so I do my best to, to, to prompt these, these folks into thinking differently, to thinking otherwise, to thinking greater and to not narrowing God into such a weird little bizarre box where people have to feign and pretend and 
act and perform, right? That's what, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of gay conversion therapy is and a lot of, you know, evangelical. It's learning how to perform. It's not about a change of heart. It's not about, it's not even about metanoia, changing your mind. It's, it is literally just, just don't do this one thing. You can think about it all the fuck you want. Yeah. And And that's also the, pardon me. No, go ahead. Well, this idea of performance it's funny that evangelicals place so much emphasis on quote-unquote grace and say that it's not about like nothing that you do will save you yet in this one instance when it comes to with being gay or what they describe as same-sex attraction they say the way to fix that is through habituating a masculine persona which i think is just hilarious right it's like this idea of like Mm -hmm. perform 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 that'll make you straight which will ultimately lead you closer to god and it's like, well, I thought that this wasn't about actions. I thought this wasn't about deeds. I thought this was about, you know, hmm. me being, you know, again, to use evangelical parlance, like the idea, you know, uh, a child of God. say parlance. Yeah. Parlance. Uh, en France. Oh, French. Yeah, we try. Are you, are you from Quebec? Quebec. Uh, or comment to do Quebec? Wait. No, it's, I just, I just find it wildly ironic. And I, and I, and I'm just so curious to be honest, what a lot of these gay conversion therapists or just evangelicals in general would say about that. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is like, they're not even willing to entertain the conversation. Like that's the problem is like, we can't get close enough to them to have a conversation about this period. Mm -hmm. And I hate that because it's like, I can't like, you can't talk to somebody who is like, you know, a Trumper about like something like, you know, the performance of masculinity, even within like heterosexual culture, mm-hmm. because like to them, it's just like, uh, my guns. Oh no. Like that's, <laughs> like, that's what they care about. They, they, and like, I, I keep watching, it's a, it's a mistake on my part, but it's like, um, the Trevor Noah show yes. or whatever, the tonight show, whatever they call on it these days. But he has that one correspondent who goes out to all the big MAGA rallies and whatnot. And you see all of these people who are just like making him in. It's like, this is like, you know, this is what I imagined idol worship was when like I did when I was younger and very evangelical and thinking about, you know, what beware of idol worship. It was always like, Mm -hmm. you know, putting somebody on a golden calf. And I'm like, Jesus wept like a flag is just as good as a golden calf. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, just, you know, and I like, I just see all these people. It's like, and it, it makes no sense to me. Like, if they're like, even like, not even a close reading of the New Testament, but like, a, just like a, just a very basic reading of the New Testament. I'm just like, would you do this? Like, like kids in cages, I'm like, would you do this to your any, anybody? Would you do this to your family? Would you like it if somebody locked up you and your family and separated you from your children in cages and left you there? Mm-hmm. For how long? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, okay. what, if, what if like what if they performed a hysterectomy on your daughter while she was in there? I mean, like, I've, it's it seems to me, and that's the thing. It's like some people want to say, "Well, th- that's not really Christianity." I'm just like, but isn't it though? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? When it, when you have people say long enough that that's not Christianity, that's not Christianity, that's not Christianity, but there are so many people who are doing what people are saying isn't Christianity in the name of Christ and are 
self-identifying as Christians, you have to, at a certain point, think to yourself, hold up. If, in fact, this isn't Christianity, and there's apparently like this other, like pure, refined, you know, untarnished Christianity that's out there, how come we don't see that very much? Where is that Christianity? Because I think, honestly, I think that so often you find these Christians who, who say that they're being persecuted, right? And that they're, you know, victims. It's like, you wouldn't be victims if you just treated people well. My God, you know, the golden rule, do unto others, you good bitch. <laughs> that's what Jesus said with a yeah, little like yeah. snap at the end. And that's really like, and so it's so funny is like my mother, who is like not a theologian at all. And like, sometimes I wonder like, mom, what do you believe? Because like, you're nominally Christian. And like, you know, you read your grandbaby's little Bible stories or whatever from like their little children's storybook Bible, which also, by the way, mistells the story of Jonah. It pisses me off. So that Jonah rejoiced at the end. Jonah did not rejoice. He was pissed off because he knew the Lord would be merciful. Didn't he stupid. hide underneath a plant? Yes. And then God sent a, uh, an inchworm to eat away the plant and he cursed it. And he said, why are you cursing it? I'm just like, the earthworm was here. I did it. I'm just like, and you're just mad because you didn't want to tell these people to stop doing bad shit. Yeah. Now, granted, like, I wouldn't either because, like, the according to the, why am I doing this? This has nothing to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> I just love that he was under a plant. Yeah, just under a little tree, a little yeah, untoward. Um, so, like, I think what's I I want to talk about now is like, is particularly how because like you've been featured in things like Rolling Stone and shit, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm very very curious at least for you know what's happening in religion going forward in the world but like i'm really curious like what like what you think about how the church is being exposed right now and what do you what do you think is going to happen you know when the world opens back up Mm -hmm. and like you know there's like a little bit more movement and also possibly a lot more like i don't know what do you think oh boy I know speculating is a very scary thing. Well, I, I I did speculate this back when uh, Jerry Falwell was temporary was on a temporary leave of absence. I speculated that. He oh, was, he was. Um, well, I speculated that he was going to be reinstated, and I was wrong. So, I mean, really, my my prophetic witness isn't all that strong. I don't <laughs> <laughs> call but, call Bill Johnson; he could tell you. <laughs> okay, deal. Um, I'll ring him up later. But no, I for for. I think there's a major reckoning that is happening and that people are beginning to inter not I shouldn't say people in the sense that like everyone's doing it. No, like there are a number of people who are still blindly following the faith that they've either 70, into or 70 million of them. In fact, isn't that just wild too? Those numbers are 70 million humans, actual living, breathing people made that decision <laughs> it's amazing in the worst way yeah yeah it's, uh, anyways it's, you are saying um reckoning well no there's a major reckoning that has to happen and i think that i mean here's the thing this is why i think evangelicalism is just fascinating is because there are so many different subsects and sub subsects and you know groups yeah, within evangelicalism right that you find yeah. some really conservative folks, you find some more liberal leaning folks, you find people in between. And what I've noticed, I mean, since I've been writing about liberty, I've been writing about liberty technically for a few years, but really my articles 
you know, started picking up, um, uh, the first one was in Queerty and then RVA Magazine and LGBTQ Nation, whatever. Um, and then I was featured, uh, you know, in a few things like the podcast or the radio show in Scotland, which was just amazing. And then Rolling Stone. And so with these articles popping up in these different podcasts or radio, you know, programs or whatever popping up, I've had friends from Liberty or just evangelical friends from the past reach out to me. And I had this one friend reach out, Sarah, and my gosh, it was the only, it was, it was and is the only message that made me cry after someone had read my, my work. And Sarah reached out and she just had the most beautiful message ever in general. But she, she said to me, she's like, Luke, I don't know if you remember who I am. And I was like, of course I remember who you were. Like we had like a number of classes together and you were one of my good friends <laughs> in the English major. But anyway, she's like, I don't know if you remember who I am, but one night we were going to this extra credit thing. It was this screening of this documentary about the new King James uh, Bible. And we got extra credit to go to it. So we were like, of course we're gonna go to it. So she and I went. And apparently what I, I don't remember actually asking her this, but she said in this message, she was recounting the story. She said, you know, you asked me if I would ever date a, a guy who had fooled around or been with, with boys. <laughs> um, and she said that at the time she, she like flippantly said, no, that's, that's weird or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then she went into this apology and she was like, Luke, I am so incredibly sorry for how I talked to you then. I'm so incredibly sorry for how Liberty has treated or treated you then. I'm so incredibly sorry for, you know, it's just was apologizing. And she said, I hope that at this point, like in your life, you're like living your best life because I want you to know that like no longer do you have a judgmental Christian behind you uh, from your past. You have a, a, a cheerleader alongside you. And I was standing at, I was on my way to go teach at a university of Toronto. I was on the streetcar waiting for the, for the street, or I was on the streetcar uh, at the streetcar stop waiting for the streetcar. <laughs> I started ugly crying and I am not a cute crier. Like I look absolutely mm -hmm. terrible. And so no, I'm standing there same. like, and you know, and, and I'm sitting, I'm like trying to like cover my face, but I couldn't stop reading the message either. <laughs> It's one of those things where like, it's like you grab your forehead, like you like, you turn your hand into a claw mask and you do this so you can still see what's going on. But then also, and you, you're not really breathing, but your body's convulsing. So it's like, <laughs> so I'm yeah. going to keep reading. Just grimacing, right? Like, <laughs> like just looking. Too. I'm so happy. Yeah. And my eyes go bloodshot immediately. The moment I'm even like, oh, I'm really annoyed. My eyes go bloodshot. You know, it's like, it's just like, as soon as I'm crying, it's just terrible. So, but yeah, I mean, that was one message. Another message was this one guy, he messaged me and he said like, He's like, I, he said that the moment he started reading the article, he's like, I couldn't stop crying because I just kept thinking about all of my friends who were gay at Liberty and how this would have been in a lot of ways similar to their experience. And he's like, Luke, I only went because he was one time, this guy, he was a straight guy. He's married to uh, his, his wife now um, uh, out, and they live out in, uh, uh, I believe, Washington State or Oregon. I think it's Washington State. And so mm -hmm. uh, Sean said to me, he's like, one time Liberty had caught wind that one of his friends had been living with him for, or he, pardon me, he was living with someone who was gay uh, for a, a, an intensive, like a, he went for this like one week course where he mm -hmm. lived off campus with this guy who was gay. Liberty apparently somehow found out about it. They also knew that this guy was gay. So they then suspected that Sean was also gay. And so they called him in and he had to go see Pastor Dane Emmerich, the guy who led the conversion therapy program at Liberty, the guy who I met with for four years. And so they brought him in and they were like, essentially- they they gay witch hunted him. That's it. That's it. And and he said, Luke, I was only there for one meeting. And he's like, it was like incredibly off-putting and like, you know, not in any way, like obviously like 
helpful or generative or good. He's like, I couldn't imagine what that would have been like for four years. And so all that to say with these two stories, but Sarah and Sean is that I have so much hope that there are people out there who are part of a tide that's turning and Mm -hmm. thinking for themselves and moving in a direction that is affirming that is good and that ultimately is doing what i would call if i were to call anything god's work god's work and Mm -hmm. i think that that for me is just um it's it's a lot of hope or it gives me a lot of hope but what i also have to of course hold intention with that is as you said this vast number of evangelicals and religious folks uh and conservatives who of course, there are differences in, you know, uh, between these different people and different subgroups or whatnot. But in large part, there is a big constituency in America and in Canada and across the world that still holds these really outdated, um, harmful, violent beliefs about gay people. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I hold that intention with those who are changing their minds, those who are thinking for themselves. So it's it's a both and. And I think that 2020 um, is helping us, not 2020 itself, but now in 2020, we are thinking uh perhaps differently for not for the first time obviously a lot of people are doing a lot of really important pioneering work in queer theology and uh mm-hmm. you know uh thinking about the relationship between the queer community and the conservative evangelical community before uh but uh, i think it's this moment there's a, this mobilization whether that be social media whether that be just you know uh good content being generated and being put out into the world where people are seeing that you can be gay and you can be a christian or that it just doesn't matter <laughs> um I think that mm-hmm. this is you can be queer and be happy. That's it. I think so. So yeah. What do you think? And that's kind of like, oh, what do I think? I mean, I uh well, I think that I'm curious. I don't think it'll happen in our lifetime, but I think that in the life, you know, in the next lifetime, perhaps that like one of two things will happen if the world like plunges into peril once again, because if like we believe in, we believe in cycles. I don't think it's, hold on, let me not go down that. Let me do immediate future. Next 10 years, um, I expect there's going to be a large wave of like sexual scandals that hit mega churches and people really start seeing. And not only that, but like I'm talking, I think that there'll actually be hope, maybe hopefully actual accountability for abuse that happens oh like the hillsong the hillsong example um yeah with that you mean carl lentz yeah listen they like what's so funny is just like you know so the whole world heard about that but no one really heard about bill heibel in chicago you know who who's that exactly (laughs) bill heibel was somebody who was doing a whole lot of abusive shit and it came out and like they had to like do all these things it, like within evangelical world, it was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. But within the rest of the world, the only reason people are paying attention to Carl Lentz is because he's sexy and we can crucify a sexy person. Yeah. You know, cause it makes good news, but it's also, it's that same thing. Cause like Carl Lentz is technically not the problem. Carl Lentz is a fruit of the tree. That is the problem. Mm-hmm. Like what is it? Why did, why was there a church centered around a celebrity? Mm-hmm. Why did a church make one man into a celebrity? Mm-hmm. It's the wrong model. It's yeah. wrong. And there it's is that wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. 
Well, there was that article that was talking all about the whole power structure of Hillsong as a church, both in New York City and also beyond that, right? Like the actual parent church in, in Australia. The and and it's just it was just wild to see that because the articles essentially the, the claim was that this isn't just Carl. This goes well beyond him. He's a part of a structure. He's just been exposed for what he's done, but it's much greater. It's it's part of a, a greater system. Within. Oh, yeah. Like you think that Carl Lentz is you think other people aren't doing what Carl's been doing. Right. And I guarantee you this is not the first time that Carl's been like fooling around, stepping out on his wife. Like someone who has a someone who has a whole alter ego has thought about this. Mm-hmm. you know and worked on it or he's just an idiot maybe both who can say i'm just curious to know what justin bieber thinks about this all because just that he was justin bieber's pastor i know justin we really want to hear what you think about like spiritually like what's like your view of like what can be done about the reconciliation of the people with the things and also maybe god yeah what is what does justin say what does justin have to say about all of this and here's the deal it's just like i feel bad for like you know all the celebrities of the world who think that they're finding god but they're really just like getting like a white jesus placebo mm-hmm. yo put that quote that whoever's listening to this later quote that put that on the internet that's a good one yo but do you th- i mean my question is are there a lot of celebrities who are finding jesus these days i mean i'm thinking of like the chris pratt's of the world like uh, Selena Gomez. Oh, Selena Gomez goes to, um, sorry, not Selena Gomez. Chris Pratt goes to City Church in LA. Come on. Yeah, it was this whole big thing where like, it's just like everyone was calling him out. And I'm just like, this is the problem, dude. And he's just like, I love everyone. It's like, it's the same thing with the Chip and Joanna thing. Oh, you want to know something funny? About yes. the, you know about Chip and Joanna Gaines, how they like go to a non-affirming church and they're just like, we love everyone. I don't I don't even know who Chip and Joanna are. <gasps> and you watch HGTV. <laughs> oh no, they're on TLC. I apologize. They're on TLC. Well, you know what? What Not to Wear was one of my favorites. Stacey and uh, You I, know, like it was like very, very, I love a petty show. I'm just like, this house is ugly. <laughs> or um it was that uh and i also low-key really loved the original queer eye just because i'm just like of course i i miss uh being able to watch shows and not think critically about them you know <laughs> yes it was like queer culture that at its finest at the time because right like what else did we have so that was just anything you could have queer content wise it was like like, like gimme 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 you know yeah before it so wild Anyways, pulling it back to topic, um, just for a brief second. Um, I, I know that like a lot of like what you've written over the past years has been a lot around talking about like how, you know, this culture is not just like liberty is not a anomaly. No. It's like, it's one of these things where it's literally worldwide because of how whiteness has been exported and like how white hegemony and white Christian hegemony has been exported all over the world mm-hmm. um that has nothing to do with the question i'm about to ask but it's just like <laughs> but it's a true statement yeah and I, I like i think it's a when you're talking with people you're thinking about the person who's like stuck mm-hmm. in that person like there's a gay person at liberty university who's listening to this right now mm-hmm. and so what do we say to that person who oh, feels stuck God. like they can't do anything you are loved for who you are. I mean, it's first fine. and foremost, 
You know what yeah. I mean? Like that could almost be it. Like that could be it. Like who you are is good. Your queerness is good. Yeah. I mean, I had I had someone reach out to me recently. I don't know which article he read, but he read one of the articles and he reached out to me. Um, and we've been chatting all about homosexuality, all about queer affirming theology, all about being gay, being a Christian. What does that mean? And also like going even be below or beyond that to think about like, what do we think about scripture? What do we, how do we understand scripture? Are these God's words? Are these words about God? Because those are two very different things. And I'm thinking somebody. all about, pardon me. I was just affirming you saying, come on, somebody. It's a gay Southern thing. Keep going. <laughs> and here I am having lived in the South for almost 10 years and I still don't even know these things. Well, I think it's more like uh, if you went to any Black Baptist churches, you would have heard that. I was at Liberty University, so you better believe that I didn't. Um, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I, so I think that I would say to this person, whoever he, she, they, or however they identify, I would say to them, like, first of all, there's a bigger world beyond Liberty. Like mm. what Liberty looks like and what Liberty, you know, uh, the, the, the culture it creates, it seems like that's the, the whole idea. world. It seems like it's everything. It seems like, you know, you'll never find a better place than Liberty because Liberty constructs itself as the best place. It constructs itself as this evangelical safe haven, as this utopia for fundamentalists. And in a lot of ways it is if you fit that mold, but if you don't fit that mold in any mm -hmm. way, shape or form, whether that be racially, sexually, you know, gender wise, whatever, I think that, um, that you are on the outside. And what I would say to that person is that there's a much bigger and better world out there. Um, there's a much bigger and better world that affirms you for who you are. There's a much bigger and better world that is intellectually curious, that actually doesn't regurgitate evangelical scripts and evangelical, you know, stock phrases as if that's what, you know, critical thinking is that there's, there's actually a world out there that thinks for itself. There's actually a world out there that, is nurturing and loving and in a way that doesn't make you feel horrible about yourself. Cause I remember so often feelings of guilt and shame and anxiety and fear while living at Liberty and realizing that when I got out of that, Oh goodness, I don't have to live under that burden of feeling bad about myself because what I had thought for so long was that the Holy spirit was convicting me, convicting me, convicting me. But when I realized that indeed that was liberty making me feel bad, that was liberty producing guilt, shame, anxiety, fear, whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, my word, that was a liberating moment. And, I, and, it, and it in part comes from just thinking for yourself. And in part comes from finding good conversationalists and good people to talk to, like you, like other friends yeah. of mine who I had in divinity school. Like these were people mm -hmm. who helped me think through a lot of this. And I think that when you find a better community, because there are better communities out there. There are <laughs> countless, literally, there's better community on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, get on Twitter, find some hashtags, seriously. That's how I, I mean, Kevin, I found you, did I not find you that way? It was through Twitter? Yeah, through Faithfully, Faithfully LGBT and like our connection, Mutual Andrew Han. Oh, Andrew Han, what a dream. Yeah, he's absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah. And that's literally like the Elvis is the same thing for me. Like, I cannot tell you, like, I, at first, like what happened was like, I actually had a meeting one time with someone who said, uh, yeah, I'm, f I'm a part of the gay Christian network. And this was like 2007 before I was out of high school. Mm. So like, I didn't know anything about that. I didn't look it up till years later. And the GCN website was disgusting at the time. 
Um, so of course I couldn't respect any, like, you know, your theology must be bunk if your website's bunk too, obviously. Yeah. Um, not always true, but. <laughs> um, so actually, if you're the nicer your website, the, le- the less I trust you now if you're a church. Sure. Like, I want a GeoCities, baby. Take me back. I'm dating myself. Um, tell me what I was talking about a second ago. I'm so sorry. Uh, you were talking about finding a better community on Twitter, finding a better community online. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how, and I think that's like where it can start is like, I just like, I saw these people who called themselves gay Christians and I'm just like, that sounds like a heresy. But it's just also like- Also a really good time. <laughs> yes, and a really fun time. And it's like, how, and it, the question I just kept having was like, how is it that you are having a different conviction of the Holy Spirit than me? quote unquote than me but really what it was is i would remember saying phrases like god i wish it were true that god was just okay with gayness i just wish i could like do that i'm like that's data but you know what if that's the whole thing if you wish that your theology were different you got to question your theology no Mm -hmm. where it's like i i used to say the it's so funny you say that i used to think oh i just wish that god would be cool with me being gay and I, mm-hmm. and for so long, I just wanted my theology be different to be different. And then all of a sudden I was like, why don't I just change my theology? Cause it doesn't seem to align with any of my lived reality or any of my lived experiences or any yeah. of my friends. And that's the problem is that like, we don't like it's reversed is that we have to, you know, if we're using uh Wesleyan quadrilateral it gets hijacked where it's just like, we take the, you know, uh, scripture, you know, as we have it in these 66 books translated into English you know, scripture leads to our tradition, our tradition leads to the lens through which we look through the world, our hermeneutic, and then we apply that to interpret our experiences through this thing. And if our experiences don't fit this thing, it's unholy. Mm-hmm. And, and so get away from we that. Were, and if only we were to, to, to live first and then theorize, as opposed to theorize first and then hope that our life just fits in. Hello, somebody. Because the only people it works for is typically people in the mythical norm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like, that's just, that's it. Like, it's like how like one of my brothers can vote for Donald Trump and yet he's half Mexican, but he passes as white and is a cishet male, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's a, and that's the thing is like, yeah, my goodness, my God. But I think that you are absolutely right. It's like, there is a better community out there. Like, it's like, I know that you think that like this will kill you, but it'll only kill you if you let it. Mm-hmm. so as soon as possible get the fuck out and maybe yeah. you have to graduate because you're getting your education this way do whatever you have to do find community online and then get the fuck out mm-hmm. like and then realize that like it will get better mm-hmm. like i know that's such a fucking trope and sometimes it gets worse but it mostly gets better and I think that's part of it too, that for so long we were living in a, in a space of, of thinking that our entire community was going to excommunicate us. And don't get me wrong, there were so many people who just who did absolutely abandoned me, stopped reaching out, gaslit me because I would say like, hey, I noticed you haven't talked to me since I came out. And they'd say, I don't know what you're talking about, you're making it up, it's all in your head, whatever. But there was also such a significant community who mm-hmm. stuck with me, who supported me, who were mm-hmm. wonderful. And it's like, yeah, my mom, who's not even a Christian, or well, I don't know what you'd call her, but like, she's not even a Christian, but she she turned against me. The rest of my family, literally the rest of my family, except for a few homophobic cousins, all were like wonderful towards me. 
right? My friends, I, I mean, all, I went to an arts high school downtown Toronto. You better believe that everyone was on my, you know, on my team. when like, I, yeah. yeah, they were, half of them were queer. Anyway. No, most of actually my friends were, were, were quite straight. However, um, all that to say is that I thought for so long, I'm going to have no one. My entire community is going to abandon me. And again, some did. But mm -hmm. I found not only who my friends are who matter and who my friends are who are awesome, but on top of that, I found out that really my, my expectations were confounded, that a lot of people stuck with me. I can think of my one of my best friends who uh, I said to him, I was like, Caleb, you know, I'm I'm gay. And he I said, I just want you to know that like it's not that I'm like a totally different person. I'm just the same person. You just know more about me than you did before. And he goes, obviously. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. And I, you know, of course, lost my mind, cried. Um, like here's the deal, like being like feeling understood for the first time after feeling so misunderstood, there is like, because like there's all this tension being held and it's like, it's almost like the body's like, oh my God, I don't have to hold this anymore. I'm so relieved. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's such like, a, it's, it's a relief. You're absolutely right. There's lack of pressure. There's not as much pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's just like, you get on the other side of it and the, it's like a valve. It's just like, and like you really like when it comes when you start crying and you might just let it come that's my piece of advice cry more mm. yeah crying's good crying's healthy crying's helpful yeah it really is okay i don't want to keep going for too long but this i think was like a lovely conversation mm. and i loved getting to hear more about your experience about what I loved most about this conversation was actually we didn't focus on all of the trauma is we actually focused on your resilience. Mm. And we actually talked a lot about how you overcame those things and like how you stepped into strength. And I really liked that. And I think that's the message that people need to hear because so many times like we want to like, I think fetishize our, um, our trauma and we want to stick with it. It's like we get, we, we, our neuroses become our little pets. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to hear more stories and like, just like, yeah, it's hard. And, you're stronger than whatever is coming your way mm -hmm. and you'll get past it. Yeah. In I fact, it, it, can, it can and will get better if you want it to. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that, you know, people, um, there's no point, there's no point in like, yeah, I, I went through something that was really crappy. I went through something that for a long time, both at Liberty and beyond Liberty, but it was like concentrated at Liberty, particularly through the gay conversion therapy program where it was this homophobia just like magnified and that mm -hmm. sucked. But, you know, although that is something of my past, like it's made me who I am today. It's made me into someone who can empathize and, to, and, you know, sit with others who are going through crummy situations. And ultimately it's like, yeah, it wasn't good. And that was, you know, uh, mm -hmm. it was not good, <laughs> you know, but yeah. at the end of the, the day, way I the way I put it and the way that my friend Miles puts it is like, I am not thankful for the shit I had to go through, but I am so thankful that God, universe, whoever, that I was built strong enough. And like, I was like, how amazingly resilient is my body? Mm -hmm. How incredibly strong am I for overcoming something that tried to kill me? Mm -hmm. And it is That's trying to kill That's It's the yes. desire for you as a gay person to be gone. If if these folks had their way, gay people would not exist. That's genocidal intention, right? There, there's there's scholarship on this topic, but it is actually, and again, I study genocide for a living, and this is, you know, according to a number of definitions of genocide, this is genocidal intention. And so when you're able to overcome that, 
And I would emphasize too, on top of not just, you know, individual strength, but again, communal strength, when you find others mm-hmm. like you, my gosh, there's that, that's, I think, again, to, for anyone out there who is, you know, quote unquote, struggling with their sexuality, to know that there's a community waiting for them. Mm-hmm. Come on over, come on over, baby. That's what Christina said. And you know what Brittany said? It's stronger than yesterday. <laughs> My loneliness ain't killing me no more because what I, I'm stronger. Then, yeah. Is that where the end of the song ends? Well, that's the end of the song. Oh, pardon me. But like, well, it's on the last one, but just like, unless you're going to get into the, uh, well, my favorite um, performance of that is actually from RuPaul's Drag Race season nine when it was Peppermint versus Trinity the Tuck. And oh. Trinity shot her shot in the beginning of that. Like she like pulled off her thing and like showing off her like incredible tuck and like her fat ass, it was amazing. Yeah. However, uh, Peppermint had just got her boobs done and they looked incredible. And then also she ripped off this big thing and she had like a little blonde, like, you know, oh. you know, choo-choo wig and then ripped off her uh skirt and it turned into a long flowy gown that she was still like floating across the stage like black elsa yeah and she said stronger than yesterday and clap clapped on the beat and i was like wow this is the greatest thing what a moment yeah i'll send it to you so you know what i'm talking about (laughs) i'm like yes yes like Like, me describing it does not do it justice anyways i love you and I want you to tell people on the internet who are listening where they can connect with you, your work, your writing, et cetera. Uh, first of all, love you mean it. Second of all, I am at Luke Slam Dunk Wilson on Instagram. On Twitter, I am at Wilson underscore second. I can check for you if you like. F- Will, at Wilson underscore FW. What's the so, FW stand for? What's the F stand uh, for? Frederick William are my middle names. I'm Lucas Frederick William Wilson, like the most waspy of joy. Wow. Yeah. You know what? That's cute though. I like it. I don't know if that's my my inner colonizer talking. I don't know. <laughs> um, just kidding. Am I? I'm, yeah, I'm buzzed as fuck right now. And I'm probably gonna have one more drink. It's only seven? Oh no. <laughs> okay. I better get off the And that was my conversation with Luke Wilson, my good Judy from Canada. You can connect with Luke across social media on Instagram at Luke Slam Dunk Wilson and on Twitter at Wilson underscore FW. Um, that's FW, sorry. I say W, I say W like my grandpa does and he says W because I'm from the South. W. Anyways, go connect with him and you can also Google uh, Lucas Wilson or Luke Wilson, Rolling Stone um, or any of his other amazing articles that he has published. So yes, Luke, I love you. Thanks for jumping on the line, sharing some love. Um, if you're somebody at Liberty University and you're listening to this, I just wanna let you know, I love you so much. You're not alone and we've got your back. So let's go ahead and roll them credits. A Tiny Revolution is supported uh, by 120 people right now on Patreon. And if you don't know what that is, Patreon is an amazing and incredible way for you to support the creatives in your life that are making the content that matters. So if this podcast was good for you and you're like, wow, that just blew my mind. 
or um, makes you feel less alone, then I would suggest, you know, throw in a couple bones. Five bucks a month gets you a exclusive video every single week on the Patreon feed where I share some thoughts about spirituality and growing. There's a lot of wonderful things starting to materialize in my world. And I'd love for you to come be a part of that. There's also great perks like mugs, um, and hopefully soon I'm going to be plugging in some sweaters and other cool things like that. So please get on over to, uh, to the, the Patreon and get there. Oh, also I've got merch. I didn't even announce that merch is available right now. And if you pay attention to the socials, there is going to be a black Friday sale because capitalism and we got to pay our bills. So go over to the slash merch. And you know what? Why don't you just use the offer code, uh, revolution 10. Take 10% off your order right now on it, on, on all the merch. That'd be great. I'll make sure to plug that in. And just a really big shout out and thank you to our sponsors this week, Q Christian Fellowship, for um, helping us make the show possible. Go over to qchristian.org or to qcfconf.com and use offer code TINYREV10 to get 10 bucks off our registration. Again, it's going to be January 7th. It's all digital featuring Richard Ward, Dr. Hender- uh, Robin Henderson Espinosa, Dr. Emily Towns, and more. Do not miss out on this. Again, that's qcfconf.org. And that's my dog. And she says she has to go out now. So so I just want to let you know, I love you. You're an amazing human. And no matter what you're feeling right now, whether you are doing really, really well, or you're listening to this and you're holding on by a thread, I want to let you know that you are not alone at all. So please, before you do anything else, give yourself a big hug. Take a deep breath in. (sighs) Don't you already feel better? Me too. So till next time, make sure you take your meds, call your person, move your body in a way that feels good, eat something delicious, drink some water, stay hydrated, and if you want to adopt a dog, I did. It's pretty nice. She's currently sleeping on the couch over there. I'm going to tell you that my vision is a dog who's just going to come and sleep in my such a dog now already. I love you. I hope you're having a great day. Next time, this has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. I'm Kevin Garcia. I'll see you on the internet. Bye. Yeah.